I wanted to start with a real simple joke. Some of you might have heard this before, but there was this couple that was out with a bunch of other couples in a friend's house, and they were elderly, they were older, and they're talking about different things, and the husband uh, said, my wife and I went to this fantastic restaurant the other night, but then he was trying to remember the name of it, and he couldn't remember the name of it. And so he said to his friend, he said, what is that really pretty red flower that smells really sweet? And the guy said, do you mean ro a rose? And he said, yeah, that's it. And then he turned to his wife and he said, Rose, what was the name of that restaurant we were at? <laughs> yeah, wow, that's getting less funny every year. What we're going to do today is talk about joy. Last week, Wilson talked about hope, a great, great message on hope if you haven't heard it yet. And the devotions, I encourage you to follow along with them because when we hear something taught on, it's really helpful if we just, if we just keep focusing on it for, uh, for, for days at a time, weeks at a time even, because it helps it to settle into our hearts and our minds and, and renew our minds. And so the whole concept of hope and uh, the, the, the sense that there's something better waiting for me in the future is, uh, is really part of the foundation for joy. And that's one of the things we're going to see today. But um, I, I had an insight into joy last week. On Wednesday night, Lori and I took our three uh, grandchildren here, Wilson's children. Uh, we have 10 grandchildren total, three of them here in town. And so we took uh, Haya and Silas and Harvest to Pyramid Hills Park up near Hamilton. It's um, just, just, just west, no, it's east of uh, Ross, about five miles. And they have a Christmas tree uh, light show, which was, was drive-through. We've been through several of those over the years. This was the best one I've ever seen. It is really fantastic. If, if you want to enjoy an evening, um, I, I encourage you to go to that. But when we left for the, uh, when we got in the car and left, I was tired and I hadn't slept well for a couple of nights and had an awful lot, a lot of different things on my mind. And so I wasn't really on top of things emotionally. I, w I wasn't like depressed or even what I call bummed out. It was just kind of flat. But uh, as we were in the car driving through the park and these lights were just so fantastic and so beautiful, my, uh, my heart started to lift up. And I started to become, um, well, my mood changed. I mean, granted, being with the grandkids always lifts my mood. Uh, they're, they're really wonderful and precious. And I think I'm supposed to stand right there. Do you think? No, no. We'll let that go. I thought it was something prophetic there for a moment. But, um, but here's what came to me. The light was lifting my mood. Just seeing all the beautiful lights was impacting me at a heart level emotionally. And then I thought, well, why is that? And I mean, this is pretty simple reasoning. But what came to me was God is light. God's light and in him there's no darkness at all. And so often what we experience in the natural realm parallels the spiritual realm. You know, for instance, marriage. Uh, the relationship between a husband and a wife, the Word of God says, is an illustration of Jesus' relationship with the church. And so what's in the natural parallels what's in the spiritual. 
And in this case, we are designed to respond to light in the natural realm because that parallels the beauty of God in the spirit realm and how our hearts respond to him when, when we see him. And the response is one that's going to impact our, us emotionally so that we experience joy. And the Christmas story uh, is filled with light. It's a major part, angels appearing, and, uh, and angels come with light with them. Uh, in in um, Luke 1, 78 and 79, Zacharias, who uh, was the father of John the Baptist, and once John was born, Zacharias gave this prof- prophetic word, and he comes to the end of it, and he says this. He's talking about, about God's blessings, and then he says, because of the tender mercies of God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. So the sunrise from on high, shining upon those who sit in darkness. And then, of course, uh, the wise men and the star, and they, they follow this light in the sky. Once again, light, till they come to Jerusalem, and they have to they have to talk to the king, Herod, to try to find out, get more information on where this king might have been born. And it says that when they left the king, when they left Herod, that the star reappeared to them. And so when they got to Jerusalem, the star disappeared. But when they went out, the star reappeared to them. And it says this, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So once again, light and joy are connected here. And then uh, Simeon at the temple, when, at, when Jesus was born and he, uh, and, and he was brought to the temple eight days later to be dedicated, which is what they did to, with, with uh, baby boys in Jerusalem. And Simeon, this godly old man, he sees Jesus and in effect he prophesies. And, and he says, I can now die in peace because I have seen the promise that you have given to our nation Israel. And I've seen your Messiah. And it says this, I can now die in peace because my eyes have seen the salvation you have prepared for all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. So again, light, and then of course, the uh, angels speaking to the shepherds where it says the glory of the Lord shone around them. And in, in, the, in the end of their message, before all the angels start singing, God just peels back heaven and shows tens of thousands of angels that are already there. Shepherds just couldn't see them until God revealed them to them. But it says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. And so these shepherds then go rejoicing, uh, looking for the baby. And so today, talking about talking about joy, uh, there are several, several things I think God wants us to focus on. And the first one is this. I've already referred to it, but God is light. And just as my heart responds to a bright, sunny morning, and you know, it can be, it can be 98 degrees outside and 98% humidity, but if the sun is shining, it feels good. Or it can be zero out. If you get up and the sun is shining, it feels good. Your, your mood is lifted. And so in the same way, we see God and we experience joy simply by knowing him and by seeing him. So in uh, Psalm 1611, it says, you make known to me the path of life. 
in the path of life, you know, the true path of life. Like, like Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly, real life. He said, you've shown me the path of real life. And then here it is. He says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And so not only does he say it's in God's presence that we experience full joy, but he also attaches the joy itself to the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, you know, joy is kind of, or think joy is kind of like the fluff of the Christian life. You know, it's, it's not really something serious. What you really need is faith and perseverance and things, things like that. But joy is just part of what God wants us to have. It's part of the life that he has for us in abundant life. And then he goes on to say the psalmist, in your right hand, there are pleasures forever. So again, in God's presence. The second thing is this. God, I think God wants us to know, and there, there might be someone here or a few people here today that you really came just to hear this. And, and it's real simple. It's this. God wants us to know him and to experience his joy. He wants us to. He hasn't made it hard. It's not like you have to search, you have to search around the world to find God to experience the joy that he has for us. If you're already a believer, then to experience his joy. It's not a hard thing. If you haven't yet come to faith in Christ, then he also, he, he makes it really, it's just wide open. He longs for you to know him. In fact, Luke 12, 32 says this. says, do not fear, little children. Your father has chosen gladly to give you his kingdom. And the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So let's all say that together. We'll say this. The kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, ready? The kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Spirit. Now say this. That's my birthright. That's my birthright. And then let's say this. I'm going to walk in my birthright. I'm going to walk in my birthright. We have a birthright of joy through the presence of the Holy Spirit and the gift of God the Father to us of His Son, Jesus. And so we want to walk in that, in that birthright. We want to experience joy. Jesus Himself said this. He said, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be full. Now notice the, the transition here. My joy might be in you, okay, it's in you now, and it's yours, and that your joy might be full. It's his joy that he gives to us. We have it, and he wants us to experience it to the fullest, to the, in, in total, complete fullness. And um, it's interesting when you think about Jesus and joy, so much of our, our history in, in um, evangelical Christianity in America and in many places around the world, focuses on Jesus as a man of suffering and sadness. And, you know, he's, he's, he's laboring under the cross. And, and that's the main picture we have of him is either laboring under the cross, carrying it to, to Golgotha, or we might have the picture of him actually just still hanging on the cross. But that's not the picture the Bible paints of him as a person. In fact, in Hebrews 1.9, it says this. It, this is God speaking to his son. And it says, you have loved righteousness and you have hated lawlessness. 
Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And so he's saying here, God's anointed you, Jesus, with the oil of, of gladness or joy above all of your companions. And so of everyone in the circle that Jesus traveled in, all of his friends, not just the three, not just the 12, not just the 70, but the thousands that came, he was the most joyful person of the whole group. And then he says, I'm going to give you my joy. And so it's a supernatural joy he gives to us. It's our birthright and we want to walk in that joy, but we have to understand that God wants us to have it. We have to understand that, that it's okay to be joyful in a broken world. It's okay to be joyful when you see others that you know going through great pain and suffering. Now, the Bible says, Cry, weep with those who weep. And so I, I weep with people that are going through crisis and pain and heartache. But that doesn't mean that I have to weep all the time. I need, I need to rejoice with those who rejoice as well. But I need to have in my heart and life this settled sense of joy that I, I can return to joy. I can dip back into the joy at any point in time. And so the, uh, the, 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 the thing here is that God wants us to know him and his joy. In Acts 13, 52, it says the disciples were continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Again, a supernatural gift of joy. Now, I say God wants you to know him, but someone might be here saying, uh, yeah, I know I've heard this before, but I'm not sure if I can believe it. You know, I just can't really put my whole heart into believing this. And to you, what I would like to say is, God makes it really easy. Uh, and now it's not easy to follow Jesus. There's difficulty in following Jesus, but coming to faith, Jesus said this in John 17, 17, 7, 17. He said, if anyone is willing to do his will, the Father's will, that person will know whether I really come from God or not. Now you get that. It doesn't say if anyone believes with all their heart, they'll know. It says if anyone's willing, if anyone's willing to do what God wants them to do, then they'll know whether I came from God or not. And in another place, Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he sent. So when it says if you're willing to do his will, what, the, what his will is, believe in the one he sent. And so it's not, a, it's not a matter of saying, oh, I believe totally to come into faith in Jesus. What I want to encourage you to do today, if you haven't yet accepted Christ, is just to say to him, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. Show me if Jesus is real. And when you do that, then God takes it on himself to make that happen. In fact, I heard someone say once, really what it comes down to is being willing to be made willing. And so if I have that type of a heart, I'm not cynical, I'm not actively rejecting, I'm not saying, well, this isn't this, isn't this or this isn't that, therefore it can't be true. If, I, if I'm a humble person and I can say, look, I don't know, 
But Lord, if you're real, I want to know. Because I, if Jesus is really your son, I want to follow him. It's as simple as that. And when, when a person does that from the heart, then God responds and gives what, what the Bible calls revelation. He opens our spiritual eyes so that we can see him, so that we can see that he is light, that Jesus is true, and that, that we, we can come to him simply by faith and come into relationship with him. And so if you don't know him, I encourage you to pray that prayer especially if you're saying, I'm not sure I can believe all of this. Well, that's okay. Just, just with an open heart, tell him, yes, if Jesus is real, I want to follow him. Show me, show me, God, if you're real. Well, th- let's, let's ask this question then. What is joy? Oh, by the way, when you come into Christ, then you'll come into great joy. You'll experience the joy that I'm talking about. But my fourth point is this, or third point. What is joy? <clears throat> What does it look like? Well, in Psalm 4-7, it says, You've given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. And here the psalmist is comparing this, the, joy, the supernatural joy he gets from knowing God with like the natural joy that you might get from, um, from having a great harvest or getting a big bonus at the end of the year at your work or getting a new job where your salary is doubled. You know, that would make any, any of us would, would be filled with joy for that, and rightfully so. But what he's saying here is, it's, it's, it's greater than that. You have given me greater joy even than that, the greatest, like, blessings I can imagine in my life. And, and uh, so it is, once again, it's a joy that goes beyond natural joy. It's not just something good happened to me, therefore I'm happy. It's based upon spiritual realities that God reveals to those who trust in Him. And these spiritual realities light our hearts up, just like the lights on a Christmas tree, just like, just like the bright sunlight in the morning. It lights our hearts up because we're able to see who He is and experience that. So uh, it, it's, not, it's not a natural joy. It goes beyond that. And it says, David danced before the Lord with all his might. And so dancing is an expression of joy, an outward expression. And I want to say this, there, there almost has to be some form of outward expression of joy. And, and it might be different for each person, but, uh, you know, like the um, uh, lady who was talking about growing up in church, and she said every Wednesday night, this one woman would stand up, and, and she said this lady was like the grumpiest, meanest, spirited person in the church. But every Wednesday night, she would stand up and give a testimony. And she would say, I've got the joy of the Lord down deep in my soul. And the woman telling this said, when she would say that, I would say to myself, it must be way down deep. <laughs> so real joy, is you're going to see it somehow. It's going to bust through in some way. Now, the uh, Isaiah talks about joy in Isaiah 55, and he said this. He said, you'll go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all of the trees of the field will clap their hands. 
And so here there's a picture of joy where there's this spontaneous song and he's speaking of, of nature, um, spe- speaking of nature, responding to God. Just like Jesus said, if these children are silent, the stones themselves will cry out. And, and so he's saying here, it's a spontaneous thing and there's clapping and there's cheering and there's, there's a great expression of joy. So here's how I would define joy. You know, foundationally, joy is an inner, inner experience. It is an inner experience of gladness, delight, and elation expressed through happy words, smiles, bright eyes, jumping, clapping, dancing, singing, leaping, and cheering. Okay? It is expressed. It is, first of all, a foundational experience we have of gladness, an experience of delight and elation. And it's expressed through happy words, happy eyes, a smile on the face, sometimes through jumping and dancing, and sometimes through cheering. And these are all, of course, in the right context. You know, there's a proverb that says this. It says that a cheerful greeting too early in the morning will be counted as a curse by your neighbor. Okay? So have you ever known anyone that every time you see them, they are just exuberant, and, and it's kind of like, what the heck is going on with this person? It's kind of like, hi, how are you this morning? You know, and, and, and there's, and, and person might very well have a great heart, and they're trying to bless, and they really want to enter into joy, but um, there's, there's a time and a place to release that, okay? And so the joy is there. It needs to be expressed, but it's, it's when and where do we release it? So <clears throat> just a few thoughts. A joyful person smiles easily. A joyful person delights in others. And I, I remember several years ago uh, when my daughter, who is now 39, before she was married, when she was still single, and we were back in Pennsylvania, my sister has two twin daughters, and they were younger. They were probably 10 years old, maybe 12, something like that. And Emily was probably in her early 20s. And I remember sitting on the front porch watching them interact and seeing the absolute delight on Emily's face in talking to them. And I thought, you know, I need more of that. I need, I need more of what she has. There's, it's almost like there's just this innocent spirit that we have to, take, we have to adopt in dealing with others. We, we just have to take on this innocent-hearted approach to other people where we believe the best about them and where we see God in them. If I want to see God, I need to see God in other people as well as, as, well as uh, spiritually just in, in my mind's eye or in, through, through the spiritual revelation and eyesight God gives me. And I need to be willing to give up cynicism in order to walk in joy. I need to be willing to give up criticism of others you know, cynicism and criticism differ a little. Cynicism just always believes the worst about other people. And then criticism kind of puts that into action through our thoughts and our words. And, and so we, we have to give those things up. And some, see, since joy is an inheritance I already have as part of my new nature in Christ, it's there, then what I have to do is peel away some of the things that keep it from coming out. 
And cynicism and criticism will be a couple of those things. So I need to be someone who smiles easily. I need to someone who, who can show delight in my eyes. I, 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 need to, I need to walk in this undercurrent of gladness, r- releasing it at the right time, but releasing it in context with the, with the way we look at people and the way we speak to people and, uh, and the way we interact with people. And so fourth thing is this. Joy comes from spiritual perception, which I've already stated. I want to show it to you and how it relates to the Christmas story. Angel comes to Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, and uh, tells him John's going to be born. And he says he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. So John the Baptist, in his mother's womb, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then later, when Elizabeth, with John in her womb, encounters Mary, with Mary has Jesus in her womb, John the Baptist leaps for joy in Mary's womb. And then later, Mary actually says that to, uh, Elizabeth says that to Mary. She says, for behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Now, how does that happen? I mean, I'm not assuming that John has language skills yet in the womb. I mean, I'm assuming he doesn't. He's a normal human being. But he's in the womb. He has the Holy Spirit. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Son of God comes into his presence. And there is an interchange there where the revelation of God happens so that John, as, as not even born yet, recognizes the presence of the Messiah and pure-hearted as he is in the womb and with the Holy Spirit filling him, he leaps for joy and, he, and re- just responds to the presence of Jesus. And, and this is why I say we need to have a pure heart. We need, to, we need to deal with things like cynicism in our lives because it all comes down to spiritual perception. And those are things that interfere with our spiritual perception. And so the, uh, the fifth thing is this. Joy can overcome natural circumstances. In, um, in Hebrews 12, 2, it says that Jesus endured the cross. He endured it. And he wasn't jumping up and down uh, with joy in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was bleeding, when, when he was sweating drops of blood. He was under so much stress and such intense pressure. But he endured that because he saw the joy that was set before him, meaning he looked ahead and he saw the joy that he was going to get through this. And so what joy does is it gives us the ability to see through difficult circumstances, it gives us the ability to deal with diff- difficult circumstances without giving up our joy. Now, I'm not necessarily expressing it. Jesus was not expressing joy in the garden or on the cross. But he endured that because he knew what was coming. And so knowing the joy's coming enables us to see our current circumstances and trials in a different light. And we are able then to... to go through them and, and to survive them because we know what's coming. You know, in another sense, it's almost like we get to reach into the future and grab hold of the joy that we know is coming 
and pull it back into today, okay? We, get, we do. We get to reach into the future, grab hold of that joy that we know is coming, and bring it back into the future, from the future into today, and experience it in my heart, in my life today. And it keeps me going, and it gives me strength. Now, joy uh, it requires us focusing beyond ourselves, and it also prepares us for battle because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I have a few people that I've asked to come up and uh, share prophetic words this morning, so would you come on up, please? And I want to say this, that be careful with idle words as they're coming up. Be careful. Don't, don't curse others or yourself. Be careful. Be careful with what you listen to because what you listen to will impact your heart and your mind and it will, it will uh, keep you from experiencing the full joy that is yours. And here's a big thing. Give thanks to God for every small thing you see. Every small act of goodness. If I give my kid a set of Legos because I believe it's good for him or her and they play with them, and they get into it, I'm going to get them a new, another set. And I'm going to get them a better set, a more expensive set. But if they, never, if they never open the box, I'm not going to give them anymore. And so when God shows us blessings and we see small, small things, stop and give him thanks for those things. Okay? All right. Do you guys need the lights up so you can see better? I'm Laurie, and I have a word for, I think it's Abby, way over here. Hey, uh, this morning I had a picture of someone jumping off a diving board and they had skis on. And as they were diving into the water, the skis flew off. And I was going like, God, what is that all about? And I think the word for you, Abby, is that God is calling you to a lots of fun with something that you know about but he's gonna release those skis right at the right time so that you can um, get in the water without breaking your legs. <laughs> so I just think he's got a lot of fun things ahead of you. Can I pray for you? So God, I thank you. It's Abby, right? <laughs> um, thank you for the, the new experience of uh, taking a risk and the joy that you're gonna fill her with. Um, by doing something that's just radically fun in Jesus' name. Amen. And before Kendra goes, I, I wanted to say this. We're doing this because Elizabeth, when uh, John leapt in her womb, she gave Mary a prophetic word. And then Mary, the very first thing Mary says is, uh, you know, my, my soul rejoices in God. And so one of the things that releases the prophetic, releases the joy that God's given us is hearing prophetic words. And so even if that word wasn't directed at you, if it applies to your life, just as it's kind of like floating through the room, just reach out and grab it and make it yours, okay? Go ahead, Kendra. Okay. Um, the word I have was for Sabrina. And I saw kind of like a data sheet. And it felt like sometimes maybe you feel like you're being measured against... I'm not this, I'm only here, uh, I don't have any of this, I, I'm doing well here, but it was just these measurements. And I felt like the Lord was saying, I don't measure you. And I could see that he was wanting you to see yourself through his eyes, that it was almost like um, flicking on uh, night vision goggles. 
and you're seeing something, but it looks completely different. Like he has so much love and grace that looking at yourself through his eyes, you're going to see yourself completely different, or it's going to bring out things that you didn't realize he saw in you. So I bless you to have perception, your eyes being open to the way that he sees you and the way that he loves you. Amen. Um, it was highlighted lady right here in the, in the white shirt. I don't know your name. Um, but anyway, um, I feel like we're coming into as a season of winter, but I think you've been in a winter time and God is bringing you into a springtime. And as you were worshiping, I saw uh, spring rain just falling on you. Um, and just like a rejuvenation of your heart and your spirit and your mind. Um, I saw flowers and, and greenery come up around you. And I think God is just saying to you that um, there are things that are coming up that you thought you were, that were dead. Um, and he wants you to pick those and to gather them and just to smell and just take that in and have that joy um, in your life. Uh, so okay. right now, Papa, yeah. I just pray David, for joy. J- just a second. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Who, who, who are you giving that word to? This one right here. No, African-American woman, okay. woman in the white right here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So does that make sense at all? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have my glasses on. I'm sorry. I know who you are. <laughs> okay. So that's, we, we, we try to ask that question because we're not like Isaiah up here. We're not like saying this is... Absolutely. We always want to hear, does that make sense or not? Go ahead, David. Cool. All right. I just pray for, for joy in your life. I pray for newness and rejuvenation. And I just pray for those, those things that, were, that she thought were dead, just to come around her and she just enjoys those things in life, Lord. I just pray blessings. Amen. So, so I got a bunch of words. So I'm going to give three of them, and then I'm going to give the names to other people and you can come to me afterwards because I'm not allowed to take too much time. So <laughs> this lady in the second row with the plaid on right there. Yes, you. So the word of the Lord came to me and he said, you're to do a Bible study on all the women in the Bible. And you're supposed to pick out attributes from those women. And, and God is going to make a collage of character in you and reveal your identity to you. And then it's, it's going to act as two things. Um, There's been things imprinted on you when you were younger that are lies. So the first thing it's going to do is act like an eraser. And then it's going to become an indelible marker. And God is going to etch things on you that are going to be permanent. He is calling you out of obscurity, but he needs to prepare you before he does it. All right? All right. Scott, this is really funny. This is funny because Scott makes fun of my cologne. (laughs) But you know that song, Scott, the last one we did, uh, The Alabaster Box? I literally, this is the God's honest truth, I was on the way to church, and the Lord told me that there's something super fragrant in you, and he was going to break you open, and you were going to minister something that was very fragrant to the world. And so I would just really seek the Lord about that, okay? And this other couple, the, the lady, you, you got the word, and the, the guy with the beanie on? Yes. Are you two together, I'm assuming? Okay. So, so I saw God um, opening a letter from you is like a prayer. 
and he was reading it. And I saw him send you a gift box. You know, it's like a Christmas gift box. It's just got all kinds of stuff in it. Like it's got little things, big things. But the Lord said, um, there's everything in this box he wants you to pay attention to. He wants you to look in. You're in a season of grace in your life um, where you have a lot of favor, but the Lord wants you to pay attention to everything. He wants you to look at everything. He wants you to ask questions about everything because he's revealing things to you. And there's lots of important gifts in this box. And the other thing he said to me is you're in the right place right now. You're where you belong. You're in the right place. You're in a place where you can receive and grow and have grace. And then, uh, let's see. Tori, can we stop? Yes. Does that make sense to all of you? Sorry. Go ahead. All right. Well, just I, I just I, I just want to ask. I'm that done. I'm like a motor mouth. So um, I, I'll be done. But Jennifer, Linda, and Phil, I, I have words for you afterwards. Okay. Oh. Thanks, Tori. All right. Would you stand with me, please? And thank you to each one of you who are willing to come up here and minister like that. All right, Father, we're so thankful for the fact that you give us your joy that is part of who we are. And show us each what we have to do to peel away things that might hide the joy or keep it from from actually coming out. And we know that you're capable of that. And I share this verse with you all. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more Pardon me? Okay, I'm sorry. I I thought you were saying something to me. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for coming. We'll see you next week.